Hey everyone, welcome back to the second part of God's Promise on Blessed Child Podcast. Today you're going to hear more from Kathleen Bell, HK Ishida, and I do hold these podcast panels on Zoom. And later on in the episode, we will be joined by Rika Christopher, who you may remember from our previous episodes. I want to give a gentle reminder that while you're listening to these stories, these are our unique perspectives and experiences. None of them are wrong. None of them are right. We're not trying to push or prescribe any of these perspectives onto you. I just want to give a gentle reminder that if any of these stories or perspectives ring true to you, I want you to dive deeper into your understanding of what sex means to you and what consent means to you. Because the point of this podcast is to give people the tools and the language they need to deconstruct the Unification Church and reconstruct their life in the way that they want now. And I think an important part of doing that is to understand your own um, worldview of things. And we're unsubscribing a cult mentality and a hive mind. And so I just want to give a nice little reminder and some support to all of the listeners out there that you don't have to agree with everything we say. You can have your own opinions and that is okay. If something I say or HK or Kathleen or Rika resonates with you, you can keep that. If you have different pieces of all of our stories in your life, that's cool too. You can have so many different opinions and worldviews and perspectives and experiences, and it's all okay. I just hope that listening to these stories kind of validates that for you, that builds your confidence in your worldview, because it is your worldview and nobody else's, and we don't all have to share the same one. So with that, let's dive deep into what consent means further, sex monsters in the UC, and what sex looks like and what it means to each one of us. Here we go. Like the power dynamics actually in the cult is like, it really is like the followers and the leaders. It's not the spouses and the partners and and the parents and all that. And, and so I really wanted to bring that up because I think that was a really, like, I just love how HK was sharing so openly and honestly, and thank you so much for, for sharing what you both have. I feel like that's it's so enlightening and there's so much information coming out of this conversation. So thank yeah. you guys. I'm, and this is also, we were just talking about being wrong. I'm happy to, I, I'm actually quite oh, comfortable with admitting that. Yeah, maybe I was wrong there that it's, it's a bit like what we've seen elsewhere in our society of like setting, just like you said, setting people up to squabble over things that aren't the real issue at hand. And this is, although there are issues with like misogyny and the patriarchy, this setting up guys against girls like they did in so many summer did, camps right like that like <laughs> or separating us all the time instead of letting us just be human together right that's just right there right isn't that just a great example of of getting a, of dividing us when we could have just been together and right. the systematic the systematic division that took place um where yeah it it, it hadn't it had very yeah they were, no. they, 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 they were to be wrong here. Right. No, no, I, I, you're not wrong though, because that's, that's, that's the facade that we all believed in. It's like, oh yes, we're team building and we're trust building when in actuality we're pitting you guys against each other and we're, we're doing like golden child syndrome and we're, you know, we're creating a really toxic environment. And um, I just love what, that we can like finally see through the smoke and mirrors, but I don't think that would have been possible if HK wasn't so honest with himself. And like, just their little stories, it's like, wow, we like of this whole purity conversation, the last couple of episodes, we've been really talking about the power dynamics between men and women, but actually it's like the cult holds the power. They, that's what their whole goal was. Um, and so now we're taking it back through consent and autonomy and finding out what you like. And I love that. I feel like that's so, that's such a, a core, as the church would say, core value. <laughs> <laughs> I think when it comes to any kind of like huge system of control, like a cult, it's like no one, no one gets autonomy. Everyone gets assigned a role. This is what boys are. This is what girls are. And like, it's, it can be relatively like arbitrary, just like, but just because they don't really give anybody any choice to sort of explore who they are, explore what it's like to actually be human. 
and to feel all the feelings that one's giving a very specific role. Now, I'm not going to like ignore the fact that like, yes, men were put in oftentimes a position of power over women, you know, the whole subject object relationship kind of thing. Yeah. And like, which is just super, you know, patriarchal and all that kind of stuff. I'm not going to ignore that. And, but like at the same time, yeah, like no one is given autonomy. You know, I think the church probably pumped out a ton of like super misogynistic men just because like that was the only role they were allowed to live, you know? And I do think everybody sort of comes somewhere on the spectrum kind of thing. Like just, and so like they fit into that mold a little better. Some boys don't really fit into that mold, but that's kind of the only option they're given, you know, to be like a manly man is what it looks like. And if you're not a manly man, then, then what are you? There's something wrong with you kind of thing. You know, it's, it's just, yeah. A call would just give everybody a role, a very, very narrow box to fill. And it just doesn't serve anybody kind of thing. Um, But also not to discredit just like the actual like patriarchal structure where women do typically get the short end of the stick. Thank you for saying that. I appreciate that. Because even part of me was like, are you just rolling over a little bit too easily (laughs) and not like defending your point a little bit more? But yeah, I love how we're, this is, I've worked on this a lot in therapy. My therapist has really pounded this idea of like, cults are all about binary black and white thinking. And here's the thing, most life, the real actual life is shades of gray. And here we are, we've been, you know, kind of talking a bit about this binary male and female when now I think we all agree it's not a binary. It's, it's a whole, there's a whole spectrum of experience and the same is true for what we've been describing of that masculine, like male, female, subject, object. It's such a binary when in fact we are all different. We all get to flex each of those parts of ourselves. We get to flex and experience that full spectrum. There's nothing stopping us from doing so or from finding our spot, wherever that is. And that's been, for like personally, like, that's been a really liberating experience for me. Like, I think, you know, growing up, it was very much like want to be a manly man. And all me and my, my friends were just like, oh, let's try to be men and camping and Boy Scouts and fire and fireworks and, you know, boxing and, you know, all this kind of stuff was like very much, you know, that's what it means to be a man kind of thing. And in my own journey to sort of figure out where I fit sort of on the spectrum of like sexuality, as well as like masculine tendencies kind of thing. Like one of the things, one of the most liberating things for me was like kind of develop my relationship with sex, you know, it's like growing up, like the box that all the boys are put into, like we're all sex monsters kind of thing. Like we can't control our urges and like, all we want. and that might've been me like in middle school, like <laughs> when I had no clue what was going on, but like, as I've sort of allowed myself to like, like, what do I actually like what, or want my relationship with sex to be kind of thing. And I was like really terrified of like this sort of like sex monster that like lived inside me you know um just like i'm probably like a really shitty human being because like this is what it means to be a man you know this is what a man is and i'm a man i'm like a cis hetero man so they're cis hetero men are all sex monsters and so therefore i'm a sex monster and i haven't even given myself a chance to like learn who i am and so i used to like be overly concerned about this like sex demon inside of me that all I all I want to do is like just like have sex with every single woman out there kind of thing but what I've learned is like through my experience is like oh you know I do enjoy sex a lot it's like I'm not a sex monster like that's not really in me it's like I need emotional connection for me to feel comfortable enough to like be intimate with somebody you know and that's like a real thing that I learned I was like oh I can't just do certain things like I need to have some sort of like emotional like intellectual connection before yeah, I can feel comfortable. It's like, oh, and that's at some point I thought there was something like, oh, this is like a trauma response and I need to get over this to get to my true self or whatever. But after a while, I was like, you know what? This is just kind of me. This is kind of nice. Like maybe it'll change in the future, but like it's been cool to like give myself the freedom to fit somewhere on this spectrum between these two extremes as opposed to being on this binary of like boys are like this, girls are like this. Like, oh, what a concept, you know? And I'm not just like saying it to like feel good about myself, like, oh, I'm not a sex monster, but the same, like, to know for sure with a lot more confidence at least to be like this is who I am actually you know when you were when you were sharing your story about like pressuring your wife to have sex I feel like I was on the other spectrum of that in my blessing as well but like on in another way I enabled it I was like well if we're having a fight I'll just have sex with you and 
everything will be fine. Like I didn't have a language. Yeah, no, I know it's terrible, but that's the other end of it. Like if you feel like you pressured your wife, I actually pressured my spouse. Like if we were having, if we were in a bad place, emotionally, physically, mentally, and I didn't have the language to communicate, I was like, well, I know sex is like a way to connect. Right. But it's just physical. And without the emotional and without the language, it's empty. Yeah, there's there's two sides of this. So I felt like even when I got out of my blessing, I would use sex as like a means of reconciliation or whatever. It, it, it wasn't even that I was there. It was performative. And like it took a lot of unraveling to figure that out. I don't know who's listening, but I hope if you feel like you're doing this, like you don't even have the words. You don't even know why you're doing it. But it's this emotional emptiness and this act of like service that you think you're doing. But like that's not what sex is about. Sex is what sex is about human connection, intimacy, emotional, like awareness, and just really being in the moment. I think if you can practice being in the moment, spiritually, mentally, physically, just like with another person, it's going to mean a whole lot more. And then you'll be way more in tune with consent and yourself. And so like, I think you have to like unsubscribe to the, the fantasy of like true love. I think that's like consent with living in the moment is a good way to approach dating, if that makes sense. I think totally. it's just kind of like, I think it's just like using sex in like a healthy way. Like I, we have all these from the, from the, from growing up in the cult, like we have all these unhealthy associations with sex. Like either you use it to get your needs met. Like you're feeling this way. This is what you do without any, like, I mean, this is when, when you're raising children and both you, both you have, I don't have any children myself, but both you have children. It's like, when you feel angry, this is what you do. And you, you teach your children tools. Well, I'm becoming a school psychologist. So I know a little bit, but it's like, if you're feeling overwhelmed, then you learn to take a break. Like these are the tools that you're given. If you're feeling alone, if you're feeling hungry, if you're feeling thirsty, if you're feeling tired, these are the tools that you do. And as a kid, you sort of like, okay, yeah. And then you, you sort of take them on without really reflecting on them because you're just a kid, you know? So you think about the ways that like sex is given to us as a means to like meet some of our needs, you know, like, oh, you're having a a fight with somebody then you go to this oh you're feeling horny there's another option this is what you do like so we're given these associations we're given these tools without any reflection of whether or not it's healthy kind of thing now nowadays i feel like i'm learning what, what is a healthy like like what is sex good for like what is a healthy associate what's a help how is it can be used as like a healthy tool to get certain needs met i'm feeling a certain type of way if i want a deeper connection with somebody I wanted, you know, just, I'm just horny and just, you know, it's, it can kind of be whatever you want it to be, but it's, there's a difference between it being a healthy practice versus an unhealthy practice. You know, I use this metaphor one time with one of my friends, cause we were talking about this, but like, I related to like, if you're feeling hungry, some people drink coffee, you know what I mean? It kind of like, it addresses that need for them. They're feeling hungry. It's so like, oh, I'm going to drink. I'm just, and when I drink coffee, that need is met, but in the long term, is that actually healthy? You know, what your body really needs is nutrition. What your, what your body really needs is some like good food, not just like caffeine, just to, just to, just to get rid of the hunger feeling. So you try to learn like what are healthy associations with this feeling that you need. Are you using coffee to like, to like skip over some stuff you actually need or is it, you know, and all these kinds of things. I, I try to think about things that way, as opposed to like, you know, any other kind of judgment system. I just think about, okay, what is a healthy way to use this tool versus an unhealthy way? How do I feel after? Is it really addressing anything? Do I feel fulfilled afterwards? Do I feel good afterwards? And kind of having that sort of reflective mindset when it comes to sex or literally anything, really. I feel like this is such a good vocabulary, like a way to build your vocabulary. So if we could, um, could we use this practice and just say what sex is to us, like in our own context? Just Oh, geez. <laughs> it, it, I can start. Before we do, can I just jump yeah. one, add one late last thing? I think to help people, like just as a friendly reminder, sex wasn't even just about meeting personal needs. Sex, there was this, all this rhetoric around absolute sex. And it's like so much word salad about like, okay, sex is somehow going to save the world and spring God out of this prison that he's somehow in. And like, what? Like there's, there's so much pressure sex was hyped up to be this, just this giant, like life or death, save the world thing. And so that, I think it's important that just to, to name that, that made things even more complicated because it wasn't, we, we barely had any sense of what our needs were and then, but yet those needs were there. And then there's all this pressure to do. So yeah, yeah. bringing it back to like, okay, here I am. Here's what I, here's what I need. Here's what brings me joy. Like, 
and connection. Yeah. I think what everything HK said was such a wonderful summary, but like, I just wanted to make sure that that got said before we take on your question. There's such an extreme like viewpoint on sex growing up in in the unification church. It's either like, well, for all of us, there's a source of all evil kind of thing, you know, going back to like Adam and Eve and like what the fruit represented and stuff like that. So it's like, sex is special you know it's not like but like try to put like an accurate amount of value on it you know what i mean like it is good it's it's you know it is special it's important it's also like a risky thing for sure and you got to be smart about it but it's not like you know humanity world crushing you know like the fate of humankind is in your hands kind of thing or your eternal life in your hands like it's valuable it's not this value. it's not crazy crazy you know all high stakes stuff like what's what's an appropriate amount of like you know, value or anxiety or whatever to put on it. Mm-hmm. But it that's been like the journey. Size, yeah. I think that's- just like calling it what it is, is it's, it's a need. Like human connection is yep. a need. Let's verify that. Oh yeah. Erika's here. She joined. Erika, hello. Hi. Welcome to Sorry, home. I'm so late. <laughs> it's okay. Sorry. We've talked about so much stuff. It's been incredible. Really, really incredible. Just building a language, like uh, how to resuscitate yourself post UC uh, into having healthy relationships. And um, one of the antidotes to purity culture in the UC is learning about consent. <laughs> <That's sad. laughs> as, as, well, as well as loving Everyone's yourself. Like that stink in. Yeah. <laughs> I... I don't think I fully learned about, I don't think I understood exactly what consent was until honestly, like a few years ago, like I'm 28 now. And like, it's interesting to hear other people like talk, like you guys talk about, like, I don't know the specific like doctrine of like the UC and like what sex exactly was spelled out when you guys were like teenagers, because like I left at 11, 12. And so a lot of like the rhetoric I sort of like blocked out or like just didn't listen to or like and and I had you know I had sex in high school and like even though I like left so young and I was like fuck all this like I'm just gonna do what I want it still got to me because I still viewed sex in this very like I mean I I think a lot of this is society too but this like very patriarchal sort of thing where it's like uh, it's like me I'm doing it for the guy to make sure his needs are met to make sure he's enjoying this and it's like it doesn't matter about me because like I'm there to perform this is an act that I'm supposed to like be like the porn star in or whatever. And like, I'm supposed to like meet his expectations. And so like that definitely stayed with me until into my early twenties. And I, you know, like I had different strings of toxic guys, like, you know, who like clearly pushed, um, what consent was. And it's like with me not even knowing. And I think a lot of guys out there don't even know too. Like, I think a lot of guys in the U.S. don't really fully understand what consent is. And I think that's what leads to a lot of these, like, problems and issues because we don't talk about it. Oh, it's, like, not sexy to ask, do you want to have sex? <laughs> like, somebody actually did say that to me, like, a few months ago. He's like, oh, do you want to have sex? And I was like, oh, this is the first time I've ever actually been asked like in my entire life and I was like this is refreshing this is actually really nice in the next few years especially I think also with like Gen Z talking about this too like this is going to become more of like a mainstream discourse and like a lot of people are gonna you know change their outlook on how it is but no it needs to be talked about and like you know like you said in it's not like such a huge deal but it is sort of important you know in, I know that in the Netherlands, the, the way that they have their sex education for like teenagers in school is like sort of along those lines, you know, like it's not this like huge life changing thing, but like you want to think about it, you know, you don't want to just, you don't want to go and get blackout drunk and do it basically. And they found that like teenagers in the Netherlands have a better first time, like they have a better experience their first time and they know how to like negotiate like condom use and like they know about consent it's just healthier for your mental well-being (laughs) basically that's what it comes down to like is this 
healthy human behavior or is it not? Sorry, that's my two cents. <laughs> Nothing to apologize for. I remember like navigating, I, I was talking before about how like looking into consent can actually help a lot with like just like dating, like practical mm-hmm. dating skills or whatever. Like I'd be in a moment where having a really good time with a girl on a date and like in the, in the past, it'd be like, oh, how do you know when you go in for the kiss? Like, how do you read the signs? and Like all that, you know, how do you, and there's just like all that anxiety built into like, how do you make a move? How do you know if it's mm-hmm. the right time? Blah, 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 blah. And then it's like, oh, no, everybody has their own advice, things like that. But like with with consent, it's just like, well, you just ask. Ask, ask. <laughs> I I got asked too. That was the other thing that guy like who asked if I wanted to have sex. He was like, "Can I kiss you?" Oh my god, I can't even think of anything sexier, honestly. Now after twenty eight right? years of being like open, <laughs> being like assaulted all the time, like it's like oh, I somebody asked me. Yeah, <laughs> can I kiss you? Can I kiss you? Like oh my gosh, it was so nice. It was yeah. so nice to be asked. Yeah. And on the, on the practical side, like, I know myself and a lot of other men, like, we, we stress out so much about, you know, that because it uh, feels so, there's lack of communication, there's lack of clarity, how do you navigate this, just such an uncertain place, you know, you're in the car, you're, in, you know, walking around, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, you know, dude, just, just ask if she wants to kiss you. And it's like, oh, that's it. And if she says yes, you do it. And it's like, if she says no, you don't kind of thing. And it's, it's such a relief of like, for better or worse men are sort of like expected to like carry so much of like the romantic load kind of thing you know yeah Mm -hmm. um not to say you know it's just our journey or whatever and so to have that sort of mindset just for me personally helped me made things so much easier you don't need to try to read her mind you can just ask i do want to say too like like you're saying like a lot of women don't really know to handle that script because they've never really received it before there are times where like i was had a great night with somebody and I asked the question and she was like, oh, um, no, no. And then like later on, we stopped dating. We were just friends and we were talking. She's like, you know, HK, if you just went for it, I would have been about it. And I was like, oh, that's gross. <laughs> so like, it was funny, like even, you know, on the other side of it, like a lot of times, like women don't even know another script to go by. Mm-hmm. And if you're not going by the script, they don't know how to navigate it. Yeah. You know, she's like, oh, if asking for it isn't sexy or whatever. But she told me later, if you went for it, I would have been into it. Because like, that's not really the kind of you know at that point I was really grateful like we're not dating anymore because I was like yeah this is probably isn't the thing I want to be involved with anyways mm-hmm. you know yeah. I don't want to have to always be trying to read your mind and read the moment you know I just want to yeah. ask and you can just tell me and we can have a good time together yeah. that and I think that like some of it is a societal thing women have been conditioned to be like oh the guy's the dominant one and like he should like take lead and if he doesn't do that then like i don't i don't know what the it's like he's a wimp or like he's you know like submissive or not not dominant enough and it's like we need to that needs to change because if i want to go for it then i shouldn't i don't know be seen as like this i don't know slut or promiscuous or like uh, a whore or something like that and um I used to, I used to definitely think like that. Like I used to be like, oh, well, if he's not willing to like take lead or like, you know, go in for it first or like sort of like make the rules up, then I'm not going to be into it. And that, and the types of guys that I ended up going for when I was thinking that way were guys who would just go in and do something you know like even like bdsm sort of stuff and like without asking and i'd be like oh oh like i didn't i didn't ask to be slapped in the face but he just went for it and like that was not okay i realized that after when like it probably would have been much healthier for my own state of well-being if he had asked first and been like you know can we do this and then i could think about it you know and then give an answer and it's like I found that like I recently had um a dom that I was seeing for a little while and like before we even like met each other we had like a video chat together and it was like setting up and then like we had a few emails back and forth with like a list of like what was okay like yes no like a hard no or like a maybe if we negotiate it and like just a list of every single act that could possibly occur and like 
and like safe words and things like that and like what aftercare was going to be like and um and so when you know things when we were having sex when they did like when like choking or something like that did come up that was harder it's like I had pre-agreed to it or it was like asked in the moment and it was like within this certain context that like has like a, a beginning and like there was an ending to like the scene and then afterwards there is aftercare where you like debrief and you talk to each other about it and you're like okay well how do you feel like how did that go like what do you think about this and that was sort of like it was mind-blowing to me because I was like oh I can still get this sort of like I don't know being dominated sort of thing that I do sort of maybe want in like a play sort of role play sort of way but at the same time it's safe and I know that I'm not being taken advantage of and it's like I know that not not nothing's gonna like come out of nowhere and surprise me and I'm gonna be like wait I didn't ask for this so yeah that I I think has been very helpful I'm still navigating I think we all are still on some level navigating like how how does sex and dating go you know I think a lot of humans are but it's we have like an extra layer of of difficulty to it. Love I love that we're talking about consent and you're laying out a clear path like emails, written consent, like premeditated agreement, or you can go safe words. I feel like those are all very good examples that we would have. We weren't raised with those kind of concepts. So thank you for bringing that that up. I think that's really important. Didn't Moon like lock Hakshahan and like yeah a closet or something in a house like, for like seven years or something like that seven year course she couldn't even talk to her own parents and that like, was idealized that was like our that was our yeah. standard mm-hmm. how, yeah. how do you how do you hear that in speeches and like listen to that and grow up with that rhetoric and then and then like go into a world where you do need to have consent in order to not you know be taken advantage of it's so hard yeah I think you bring up a good double layer. It's like we grew up in a cult that had this patriarchal like structure, but then it's also society also reinforces it. So it feels even more right. Um, So there's like so many layers to undo. Yeah. I think it's really important to talk about what consent means and how to, how to get it. First, you educate yourself as well, like on sex. And I think sex education on Netflix is a great show for that. (laughs) Educate yourself on the basic act of sex, but then you have to emotionally educate yourself on what you want. And with like human connection, you need to figure out what you want to derive from the act of sex. Um, and this goes back to the, the question I wanted to build the sex vocabulary, the consent vocabulary. What does sex mean to you? Can we go there? Is that, okay. I'll go, I'll go first. Our consent first yeah, so. Yes. Can I talk with, can I talk with you about what consent? consent and sex means to you. So HK was saying there is power in sex, but it's not like world world shifting, but it is important. So uh, an example for that is in a relationship. I'm in a marriage uh, with my husband. It's a monogamous relationship. We have two kids. Life gets in the way and we, you know, we don't have that much time to bond uh, and to meet each other and ground each other in our relationship so that our relationship is strong and our kids have a loving environment. I think actually sex is the tool that we get when life is so busy. We use sex. We consent to sex to have a moment where we can ground and reconnect and meet each other in the middle. And that creates a really healthy environment for our kids to grow up in and also for us so we use sex as like it's like a really powerful tool to ground and to meet each other in such a busy and chaotic life it's also a stress relief when there's just so much stress going on and like we just feel alone sex is an act as a tool to really connect in a deep way in such a short amount of time so I think that's what sex is to me in my relationship Um, because we want to we want to make the claim that sex is a need because it is, it's a human need. It's also a tool. And I think just breaking it down to those things instead of some fantastical like way to create world peace and ideal families, like take it off. Like that's ridiculous. Let's just bring it back to reality so that you can be realistic about it. And then, and you can like learn to use it because it's just like having a hammer, (laughs) but please don't sing that song. Oh my God. If I had a hammer. 
you just went there. (laughs) She goes for it. I can't. Don't do it. Don't do it. Sorry, that's a beautiful song. Oh my god, you can't hear that now. (laughs) I I haven't thought about that song in freaking years. (laughs) Oh gosh, I'm gonna mute myself now. (laughs) Who who feels like they can actually follow that? (laughs) Especially my last name is Balance. Like, I have a hammer and I have a bell. Oh, oh no. gosh. Um, I, I, I'm going to try and pull this back to the original question. You were saying, okay, what does sex mean to you? Um, for me, sex is an expression of care and connection. And I treat the sex that I have with myself as to be as valid of an expression of that care and, and connection from myself to myself with myself. Um, as I do with my partner and we both are, are very, we communicate quite openly, not in a lot of detail, but like we're both for, we are both big advocates of taking that time with, as we call it the best person ever, like, Oh, I'm going to have an evening with the best person ever. And that doesn't mean like, I just jack off all night, but like the, like I was talking about earlier, if you want to, but, um, taking that time to just be with myself and not just always, always, always with someone else. We found that that adds an incredible amount of value to our relationship and a lot of like groundedness. Um, And so, yeah, sex is absolutely a part of that with me, with me and me with him. And yeah, I love how it's not, I was thinking like, Oh, is it a tool? Do we use it in any particular scenario or when either of us is feeling any particular way? And for us, the answer is no. It's just, it's just an expression of connection and care. Like it, it really is nothing more than that. It's, it's not, there's nothing. I can't think of anything in our relationship that is exclusively expressed via sex. It's just like, it's kind of just like a medium. Like I, I'm an artist, you know, so I write or I paint or I sing, and sex is just kind of another expression, like, like another, yeah, another, another art form. Yeah. I, I really, it feels as simple as, as that it, because we're also communicating and we're also doing this and that. And, and I, I'm, I'm actually really grateful that sex is not the sole means by which anything is accomplished. In fact, it can, it can be, it can represent a lot of different things. Yeah, there have been moments when it's been catharsis um, because of what I experienced in my past. So I, I came from a, an experience of domestic violence. And when I was, you know, when someone attempted to choke me, it was it was definitely not consensual. Um, and so the experience like there have been experiences in having sex where like, yeah, shit came up and I didn't see it coming, but it became this opportunity in which we could ha- we could then talk about what just happened and as I was saying before, either it brings you closer or it makes it clear that you shouldn't be together. In our case, it just brought us closer and closer together. And it was so incredibly healing to talk about those things and see him just like well up with tears. And like, I'm so sorry that you ever experienced that. So like, but on the other hand, sometimes we're just like, we're just happy. And you're just, sex is just being happy um, or feeling like, oh, we miss each other so much because he, you know, doesn't see me as much when I'm with my kids because we create that boundary. That's, you know, they, we spend time together, but it's not, I don't want him to suddenly just get enmeshed into my life. We're doing it very, very incrementally. So like, yeah, it's just, there's so many different flavors and, and messages that get shared or expressed in that action in that activity. Yeah, that's, that's it. Beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. I love that you also included having sex with yourself. I think that's really important. That's totally valid and then not something we grew up with, but absolutely true. It can ground you with yourself in, in such a meaningful way. And it'll teach you what you want. Yeah. It gets, it's just like I was saying before, like it became a tool by which I could learn, oh gosh, I really like that. And and either it, it, you can then learn to ask for it from other people and maybe they can give it to you and maybe they can't. 
maybe you're the only one who can give that pleasure to your, that specific pleasure to yourself and learning to be okay with that is really cool. Like, I don't need someone to meet that need. I got me. I love that. This is like, I feel like this is such an interesting question that I really haven't thought about. Honestly, (laughs) it's, it's like a combination of like what, what it is versus like what society puts on it and what we've sort of put value on it. And that's, I think about, you know, trying to be honest about what, what it means to me or, you know, what I use it for. And I, and I recognize like in a lot of different ways, like maybe what I do right now is might not necessarily be healthy or, or maybe it just is what it is or, you know, cause I feel like in the past, like sex to me was like the ultimate act. I mean, that's kind of what it was for us growing up. You know what I mean? The whole like purity culture thing, this is supposed to be expression of everything, you know, all your value is attached to this thing. And so like, I would put a lot of my value into, into the act kind of thing. And so to get so much of my feeling of self-worth from like someone willing to have sex with me, it's like, yeah, I mean, it means it's like part of, I think a portion of that is like, okay, healthy, even, you know what I mean? To feel like it is, it is a vulnerable thing. Like you're literally naked in front of somebody. So if you have any like body issues or whatever, it's, it's all out there, you know? Um, so it is a vulnerable act and, you know, but like, I would recognize that I would put a lot of my self-worth into sex and it's like, okay, so like, what is an appropriate amount of self-worth to be putting into this act kind of thing? You know, it's like, I, I'm trying to figure out at what point is it like getting to like a, like not so unhealthy amount of value onto it. Um, so much sense of security, so much sense of like care, so much sense of like self-worth. You know, I think I do attach, still attach a lot of that to sex. Um, like, I feel like if I've, I mean, COVID has been crazy too, because like just increased feelings of isolation. And I have this, I have this feeling that I'm still working through. And I talk about it with my therapist too, about feeling pathetic, you know, and like, oh, HK, look at you. You're, you're single on New Year's kind of thing. You have nobody to like, even like kiss or something, nobody, you know, that kind of thing, like, look how pathetic you are kind of thing. And so definitely to sort of when I am like sleeping with somebody that I feel less pathetic, you know, and so it's like, okay, damn, like, this is, this is kind of part of what sex means to me for better or worse. And I'm still working through that. And we're all, you know, we're all social beings and, and sex is a need for us. So it's like, okay, I shouldn't feel pathetic, but like, you know, it's like, so what is it? What is an appropriate amount of like self-validation that I can get from this act? So yeah, I mean, I think right now, for better or worse, I definitely still attach a bit of like self-worth to it. Um, it helps me feel better about myself. Um, makes me feel like I'm worthy of someone else's attention. Um, outside of that, though, it's also like I spend a lot of time just trying to like demean it, I suppose, in some way, like not hold it on such a pedestal. So like when it comes to, like masturbation, I just like I just do it because it's like fuck it, yeah, like this is I just. I'm just jerking off. Like it's not a big deal. You know what I mean? It's like, and I don't want to put it on this pedestal. Like it's just, yeah, it's just, it's just jerking off. It's just funny. That kind of thing, you know, or it's just, it is what it is. I'm just trying to go to sleep. (laughs) Um, So I don't know. It's, it's, it's a very interesting journey to like figure out, to try to deconstruct, unpack, you know, all the weight that's been put on it and how much self-worth I put on it. And like, what is a healthier amount of self-worth to put on it? I feel like I can go on, but I'm like switching on navigating my head, but that's all I'll say for now. <laughs> um, mine's going to probably be very long. <laughs> oh, so when I first, what does sex mean to me? So when I first started having sex in like early, t- like 17, 16, 17, 18, you know, into my early twenties, it was, it did mean my self-worth. And, but it was the opposite of like what you felt HK, where it's like, sex to me meant like I like love this person or I really care about this person and like it's like the whole world you know it means everything it's like the ultimate and so the more people that I had sex with it was like the less my worth became because it was like oh I'm adding numbers to my whatever my imaginary like number counter of the amount of people and so it was like it really did mess with my self-worth because like you know once I had like four or five different partners I was like oh my god what does that mean for my self-worth like I feel like garbage I feel like you know like I don't have any worth anymore and so you know with therapy I've slowly like 
gotten away from that and more towards like it's just fun it's sort of it's play it's adult play it's fun and it doesn't have to be more than that it can mean that I care about somebody but it doesn't have to it can just be because you know why not it's fun it's let's just see what you know what this feels like or like let's try this out and like you know what what reaction does this bring about and several months ago I um was doing pelvic floor physical therapy and I got into that because I Abina had this like for the longest time um it was painful to have sex too and like it was on and off but for the majority of the like majority of the time it was like it would start to hurt at some point and um, I think a lot of that is also normal, like not normal. I don't want to say normal, but it's common. A lot of women have said this, like I've heard this from so many people. And so I started seeing a pelvic floor physical therapist and she, you know, like throughout our sessions, one of the things that she showed me was how the pelvic region is a muscle. It's well, it's comprised of many muscles. And so it's like a bowl shaped. A f- well, she showed me a female pelvis. Um, I don't know how this, like, I'm sure a male is the same, but like, I don't know how it like relates. But anyway, it's like this bowl that holds up like your bladder and like basically like everything, like all your guts and everything like that at the like in your pelvis. And there's so many different muscles that sort of come together at like the it like all comes together at like the base of in between a female's vagina and her rectum. Like it comes together in like a ball there. And like a lot of times people hold their stress in their pelvis. And so just like your back muscles get tightened up and you need to go get a massage or you need to loosen them up with stretches and stuff like that. Same thing happens with the pelvis muscles get like, and she even showed me manually like certain muscles and she's like, do you feel that it's knotted? And I was like, oh my God, this is exactly the way like a knot on my back feels. And so it's like, it's a muscle that needs to be stretched out, that needs to be exercised, that needs to like be given, you know, tender, loving care, just like the rest of our muscles on our body, because otherwise they start to break down and they start to like get tightened up or they start to get knots in them. And like, it doesn't feel good. And your body just reacts badly to holding so much stress in one spot, you know? And, and so along with that was Kathleen, what you were saying, like masturbation is, is healthy. Like it's sort of, she was like, you, like, it's sort of something that you got to do like once a week or more, because it's sort of like, at least for me, that's where I hold all my stress. And if I don't masturbate, then the stress just piles up and then it gets painful. And like, this was extending into, it wasn't just sex, it was painful. It was like, I didn't know what my core was. I wasn't using my core when I was doing like planks or like other workouts. Like I just didn't know how to engage my core. I didn't know how to like engage my core to lift things up. I didn't know how to like, you know, like so many things that involve, I was having trouble like um, peeing. Like I just couldn't get my muscles to relax, even though I really needed to pee. I couldn't go. And like, people have like the opposite issue. Like after they have kids, a lot of the times, like they can't hold their pee in. And so like, there's all these like human problems, which are like disorders, medical problems that we face, which I think stem from us, like sort of dissociating from our pelvic region and like not exercising those muscles and not taking care of them and like sort of just like ignoring their existence I guess and so sex is definitely like a way to like exercise those muscles you know it's sort of like a exercise routine almost so yeah for now I think I'm still definitely like you know I I think I went from like one side of like oh sex like means is only for people that I care about and then I'm now like the pendulum has like swung all the way to the other side where it's like oh it's just like just for play like just to have fun and like I don't want to care about the people that I have sex with and so like I'm trying to like find that like middle ground of like how 
how do I like get my feelings involved in this and how do I get my emotions involved in this but at the same time try to just have fun with it and not not put so much worth into it it's hard it really is and like I think that's something that like is gonna take me years and it's gonna take therapy and it's gonna take communication with like a lot of people and it's hard but like you know what we're doing here helps staring on that that's a, this is a beautiful spectrum everybody's put so many different inputs into it and none of them are wrong like none none of them are wrong they're all correct it's it's a beautiful diversity that sex can mean so many different things and just between the four of us having so many different meanings of course, the unification churches are wrong. <laughs> you can't get everybody on the same page. Like, there shouldn't be. There's beauty in in it meaning something different to you, and and embrace that. You don't have. We don't all have to be on this like conveyor belt of like absolute sex. <laughs> Fuck that. Yeah, it means whatever it is. It's it's diverse. I love how all of you use it as a tool and verify it as a need physically, emotionally, spiritually, and socially. There's so many different ways to use sex. It's amazing. That's awesome. I think that's kind of the point because the church definitely told us is like there's only one definition for it. There's only one need for it. And it's like to be able to kind of define it in your own way or whatever it needs and allow it to change and grow and evolve is like kind of like the point. Like you get the autonomy to do that now, you know, yeah. and that's yeah. and that's really what healthy stuff, you know, a healthy way to go about it. I did read, you know, somewhere in one of these books that I read, like psychology books that like sex is, you know, the way that adults play. And it's like, you look at how kids play and like playing is necessary for kids, you know, their social development and like bonding and like their own mental well-being. And like, it's been shown like people who don't have sex do, they do have more stress. Like it is a stress reduction, you know, a stress reducer. Sex is a way to like sexual well-being is very connected to mental well-being. And so it is something that like, I think is, isn't like this, I don't know, holy thing. It's like a human, like it's eating, sleeping, shelter, drinking water, having like, these are a need, you know? And like, Staring psychology myself, like the essence of play is, is sort of like a low stakes, you know, mm-hmm. clear boundaries. Like what makes cl- what makes play play is like there's like a sandbox. We all agree to what the boundaries are. We all agree what's what's allowed, what's not allowed. And within this this sandbox, we can do all these things. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And it's not like like you give a kid like my my baby niece, her parents just gave her like a, a kitchen set, <laughs> like a cute little like toy kitchen set. And it's like, there's like a knife in there and there's like boiling water and all this kind of stuff. And it's like, cool, you can do these things without, it's a low stakes game. You're not going to accidentally cut yourself. You can figure things out. You can play around. You can explore things. You can just have fun. You know, as long as you play with this and you don't actually grab a knife or anything like that, you can explore these different things. And like, and that's the essence for even adults. It's nice to have a place where you can, there's not, it's not high stakes. You can explore, you can explore yourself, what you like, what you don't like. You know, there's established boundaries, established rules. And so there's, as long as we play by the rules, we can play together nicely. You know, and that's kind of like the, the psychological need to be able to explore without high stakes. You know, obviously education church, though, it's like it's the most insane stakes yeah. out there possible. So there's no room for play. There's no room for just seeing what you like, what you don't like, because like literally the world or your eternal life is on your shoulders and that's like the exact opposite of play because the stakes are so insanely high and that's just not meeting our psychological need to like explore with low stakes right it's self-limiting it's it's an extremely self-limiting belief system i mean how else was he going to control so many people like sex is such an easy way to control masses because it speaks to a vulnerability everybody has a, a need and a vulnerability or kind of the same thing you right. know, to feel connection to procreate even to like to, to get those chemicals flowing to feel like you know you're not alone you know it just feeds into that very thing and again once again if you do all these things then your needs will be met and but in doing those things you lose control and that's like kind of the whole point wow well, we're, we're rounding two hours. I think that's a really good place to stop. I actually had like seven different bullet points and we've only touched like three of them. Um, I know it's, it's incredible. <laughs> would you, 
I mean, I, I want to put a couple other bullet points out there to uh, invite other people to join this panel. We had such a diverse uh, group today of people that have been blessed, have been on the wait team, that were in and out of the church at a young age or older age. Um, I love it. Thank you guys for taking so much time out of your day for joining us on this conversation. I really think a lot of people are going to get, I mean, there was just so many different perspectives. Is there anything... Uh, you guys want to say, I know we didn't even introduce who you were. Uh, let's take a few minutes to, you know, wrap up, introduce yourself. Uh, where can you be, where can you be contacted? Would you be open to talking more about the subject and um, anything you want to say, really? I just want to open up the floor. We'll kind of wrap, wrap it, wrap it down if that's okay. Yeah, sure. I can start. Um, so gosh, what? <laughs> it's funny to end with an introduction. So, <laughs> okay. So those of you who have heard this voice that sounds like this and keeps <laughs> randomly dropping in the songs that she's writing. So my name's Kathleen Bell. Um, and I, <laughs> uh, I am at the time of this recording, I am in Switzerland in the French speaking region. Um, and I'm a mom of two. I work with refugees and migrants to help them integrate into Swiss society through entrepreneurship. And, um, and I'm an artist and I am also a podcast host. I have had the delight of having Renee on my own podcast, which is called Create Imperfect Anyway, which explores a lot of like deconstruction from a creativity standpoint, specifically around the idea of, of perfectionism. Um, and just trying to break that thing down of like, come on, guys, you don't have to be perfect to be creative. You can just go and do the thing. And I love how that kind of came up in this conversation as well. Let's just be ourselves and just do our best and cool stuff will come out of it naturally. That's exactly what I aim to explore in the podcast. So that's Create Imperfect Anyway. You can also find me on Instagram at Kathleen, C-A-T-H-L-E-N-E underscore sublimates because that's what I like to do in life. Sublimate is to take something that is painful or complicated or hard and turn it into something beautiful. And that's what I want to spend the rest of my life doing. And I'm really glad that, that conversations like this are a part of that. So, yeah. And also I, it's worth mentioning. I since we're talking on the subject of dating, I am in a partnership with an amazing person. It's been over a year and, um, we didn't, we finally didn't get to green flags. I guess we can get to that next time, but um, yeah, I, I love how the reasons why my relationship works. It just feels like the, this entire conversation was uh, an expression of why that works. And it's the kind of relationship that I just wish for everyone. So I'll end there. Okay. I can introduce myself next. <laughs> uh my name is HK Ishida, uh, previously Hung Cook Stevens, <laughs> which is a whole other topic. Um, what is it? I'm 32 years old. This year I'm turning 33. Currently live in Oakland, California. I um, used to live in the DC, Maryland, Virginia area, the DMV, uh, until I moved to the Bay Area about four years ago. Um, Let's see, used to be a proud youth minister, used to direct camps, things like that. Now I am starting to become a school psychologist to try to use those powers for the sake of good, my own, you know, uh, my own autonomy, my own power. Um, what is it? I am technically single, <laughs> uh, struggling through, having lots of moments of joy, lots of moments of despair, everything in between, and trying to embrace all the emotions. Yeah, let's see. And I'm pretty private, but you can friend request me on Instagram. <laughs> HK.ishida. That's all it is. HK.ishida. And I'll vet you and see if I want to be friends with you and if you can talk, if you want to talk to me. <laughs> That's all I'll say. Boundaries, man. We celebrate those here, I think. For sure. <laughs> that's something a whole another conversation it's like yeah I, I try to choose my friends a little more carefully now versus anybody i see at a camp <laughs> um okay so i'll i just want to first say like i it makes me so happy when i see other people who have left the church who are now like in i don't know areas of like psychology or like mental health you know using 
their past experiences to sort of help other people in like different areas of their life and it's just like because that's what I'm doing and like I'm just so happy to see it you all are in your own ways and it's just like it's so nice to see especially with the amount of problems the world has <laughs> so I my name's Rika Enrica Christopher I was actually on Elgin's podcast falling out. Um, I talked about being an offering child there and my leaving the church at a very young age. Let's see. I'm in the Boston area now. I um, am a researcher. So um, I do mental health research. And so currently I'm like sort of at my dream job. Um, I'm working for Boston Children's Hospital and Harvard Medical School. Um, I'm doing work on um oh and university of illinois chicago um part-time and i'm doing work on like rehabilitation and reintegration of um women and children who are being repatriated back from formerly um islamic state controlled territories um and then there's a whole bunch of other research that like ties into that into like violence prevention and like extremism prevention and then also with reintegration and like social connection of, you know, how do you, how do you rehabilitate people who have um, been radicalized and like gone into like these extreme groups and how do you like keep society healthy so that these sort of radical groups don't like create, you know, and, and pull people in anyway. So that's, that's my research area very much overlaps with how I was raised and um, the church and so I have been pretty like open and out there. You can follow me on Instagram. It's Princess Rika. I have a Twitter, Future Dr. Rika. You can just type in my name though, really on, on Google Scholar or something. And it'll pro- probably pop up to get my email or whatever. I hope to like make a career out of researching and understanding more about this topic because I, I definitely think it's this coercive control that we all faced growing up and this manipulation, it's, it's literally everywhere from sex trafficking and pimps using this to like recruiters from ISIS and other terrorist organizations, you know, and, and this is important and it needs to be talked about and we need to like deconstruct and dissect it to figure it out. Wow. I love that. Uh, I like Kathleen started with the sublimates. We're all taking something ugly and our past experiences and trying to turn it into something beautiful, not just for ourselves, but to like evolve society and evolve the, our species. You know, it's not just like surviving and making it, but it's like also contributing and making the world a better place. So the next generation doesn't have to grow up in what we did. And I think that's what we're doing with just using our voices on this podcast and getting our stories out there. So thank you guys for doing that. We'll drop a little teaser. So we only covered so we we covered so little and and yet we can expand so much so there's so much conversation around each one of these topics but as a teaser to see if even you want to come back to talk about these things i'm gonna read off some of the things i gathered from a, a instagram poll i have a few hundred followers a lot of them are ex moonies or moonies and so it's kind of a platform in which people can voice their opinions and so i want to use this this chance on this blessed child podcast to to give them a voice because there's so many people out there that haven't found their voice yet so let's give them a chance i'll just read off some of the questions that they had so one of the questions was how did you unlearn the idea that dating is sinful how did you start dating one of the second ones is how did you start dating in your 20s to 30s? How did you give yourself the compassion for starting so late? Another, how do you find balance between living for yourself and your partner? This one I thought was very interesting. How do you deal with the past of the person you are dating now? What are green flags? We kind of covered that. Um, how did you accept your first love trauma? How are you rewriting what successful relationships look like? Do you approach dating while thinking of every partner as a future spouse? Was anyone in this group pressured to accept a heteronormative relationship as a queer person? If so, how did they navigate the situation? How do you feel worthy these days? How do you encourage yourself to keep going on your own path, 
even though you know your parents will never support you? And how do you establish boundaries? Those are just some of the questions I got on my Instagram poll. And I think every single one of those deserves a conversation. And if those are something you're interested in, I think we could keep going later into this podcast, into, into those topics. Also, can we, sorry, can we throw in, because this is a topic I'm very passionate about, like monogamous and polyamorous like relationships and like how, you know, we've been brought up in like this very monogamous heteronormative culture. And like, how do you branch out from that? And like, what does it mean to be polyamorous and what does it mean to date multiple people? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, if anybody's listening and is sparked with a little bit of inspiration and wants to come on this podcast on a zoom, either anonymous or just any of these topics really resonate with you message me at Renee Thomas art at yahoo.com or find me on Facebook or Instagram at Ren robot. And we will organize some of the juiciest post UC topics you have ever heard. <laughs> um, yeah. So thank y'all for being such amazing resources. Everybody here is just doing such a good job. Thank y'all. And if any of these topics resonate with you, we can get another chance to talk on them. Or if you want to add anything to to the conversation that we had today, I look forward to speaking with y'all in the future. Looking forward to it. Sure. Yeah. Thank you, Renee. Cool. Cool. So we can, yeah. All right. And there you have it, guys. A whole range of different perspectives on what sex means to us. I am so excited to tackle the rest of these subjects and topics. There's so much more to explore. If you were one of the people that shared with me on Instagram some of your interests and some of your comments, well, thank you so much for trusting me with your words and your curiosity. I look forward to exploring more of this later on in the season. I hope that this purity culture talk has really helped you create a vocabulary for deconstructing your unique experience either in the unification church or some other extreme theology with purity culture and misogyny at its center as always take care of yourself take it at your own pace and we will talk again soon